Attention men, are you wanting to break free from porn or other unwanted sexual behaviors, but finding it seemingly impossible to quit? If so, we can help. My name is Jonathan Darty, the founder of Gateway to Freedom. This three-day workshop is for any man who wants to overcome any kind of unwanted sexual behavior. So whether you're married, single, or divorced, this powerful and proven intensive weekend will help you uncover what is at the root of your struggle and discover the man God always created you to be. Space is limited, so call us today at 210-822-8201 to register. That's 210-822-8201 or visit bebroken.org slash gtf. Hey, listeners and viewers, welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. We're so glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan. I have a new friend with me um, all the way from uh, north of the border. I've got Sathya Sam with me. So, Sathya, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Yeah, so uh, I was really excited to have kind of a mutual colleague and friend introduce you to me. And then, man, I started checking out some of your stuff, and it's just really I love what you're um, offering to men out there to be able to break free from this, you know, cancer of pornography. And so why don't you just give our listeners uh, a little bit of your background, just kind of how'd you get into this space of working with men who are struggling with porn and wanting to get free? Yeah, well, uh, I don't think anybody when they're a kid growing up uh, necessarily dreams about getting into this space of work. Jonathan, I'm sure you can relate. Um, I know I was quite impressed even just seeing uh, Pure Sex Radio and everything you guys have accomplished. Um, for me, I, uh, I am not helping guys get free of pornography because I think it's a good thing to do or uh, because I'm necessarily educated on the subject, although I am. The, the reason I do it is because I have a personal experience. Um, I'm a fourth generation pastor. So I grew up in a Christian home, uh, grew up with good values and had a really good upbringing. You know, some people grew up in very uh, intense, I would say, pastoral environments. Sometimes that's not the greatest thing having parents as pastors. But in my case, it was. I would say my, my parents were better people off the stage than they were on it. They're just incredible. Um, but in this day and age, uh, it doesn't matter how well you were raised. Uh, there's a pretty good chance you get exposed to pornography at some point along the way. And that was certainly the case for me. So... I got exposed to porn in the computer lab of my Christian school at the age of 11. And, um, you know, anyone who's had a problem knows the first time is never the last. And that was the case for me as well. So um, it kind of piqued my curiosity. It was a very gradual thing. But by high school, uh, porn was a regular thing. Uh, by the time I got to university, I was I would say I was dependent on it. It was kind of my reward for the stressful and intense days uh, at school. And um, and when I really wanted to get free of it uh, in my kind of early 20s, starting off in my career and finishing university and all that, I realized I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I have no idea how to do that. And there weren't resources out there. There weren't people talking about it. I didn't know about Pure Sex Radio. I really wish I did. I could have used it back then. Um, but I I've honestly just felt alone and felt like I was um, I had to figure it out some way. And so I. I made a decision that one day I will get free, and when I do, I will help other guys get free in a much shorter span of time uh, without all the loneliness and all the guesswork that I had to endure. And uh, that's that's why I'm doing what I do today, and that's why I'm really happy to be here on Pure Sex Radio. Yeah, so why don't you uh, tell us what all of that journey uh, culminated in, 
in terms of what you are now offering to men that is hopefully, and, and I believe it is, shortening that time frame for other men to be able to, to break free from porn. Yeah, so I struggled with pornography for 15 years altogether. February 2016 was the last time that I, I had an experience with porn. And um, I waited a, a little while, you know, because I had gone months. I had even gone a- almost a year at one point, and I relapsed. And so I, I knew better than to really jump the gun after I was starting to experience freedom. Um, but I really had it on my heart that that I wanted to start talking about it. Uh, I wanted to teach about it and all that kind of stuff. So um, through my experiences, uh, through some of my research, and, and even just in my dialogue with God, um, I felt like I, I had a revelation for a kind of a system or a program, if you will. And it was it was basically my own process. It was sort of the things I went through. Uh, I wasn't thinking of it as a systematic approach. I was obviously guessing, but just looking back and seeing, yeah, these were the things that really made a difference and wanting to, to condense that into something that other guys could follow. So uh, that that whole curiosity started at end of 2018, um, so a little bit over two and a half years ago. And so I started working with guys one-on-one, took them through the model, made tweaks along the way, but but really saw that actually the, the process worked. And if people really applied it and um, and they really understood how to kind of grasp the concepts, it was making a difference in their lives and their belief systems and how they viewed themselves and ultimately the decisions they were making. And so that eventually led to courses. I still continue to do coaching, but I do groups and I have course content and, and a whole bunch of different things. I'm working on a book and really just doing everything I can to get the word out there and help as many guys as possible get free of the grips of pornography. So let's talk about the sometimes disconnect that happens between what a guy's perceived need is in terms of trying to break free from porn and what maybe you're offering to him as trying to meet the real need yeah. uh, of getting free from porn. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like you know, guys come with one idea of what they think they need and how do you navigate them to what they really need and what is it that they really need? Yeah. To really be free. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the million dollar question in this subject. I, I put it this way. All behavior is rooted in belief. Um, or another way to say it would be that the external is anchored in the internal. And one of the mistakes that we make sometimes is when we try to correct behavior, we deal with it at a, I would say, a surface level, a behavioral level. So in this context, that means if you struggle with porn, you'll install an internet filter or you reach out to somebody to pray for you after you've had a slip. It's very... Uh, it's very behaviorally focused. It's it's reactive in nature, and it's not actually addressing the heart of the issue. Generally speaking, somebody is seeking out pornography for a reason. It, it might be a, a lack of intimacy in their life. It might be feelings of, of worthlessness or loneliness, rejection. I mean, there, there's a whole gamut, and it's unique to the individual. But those underlying issues are generally the driving forces. And so my, my philosophy is that if you can address the, the beliefs and the underlying issues, the behaviors will take care of themselves. And that's what I'm finding in the work I do is that when, when you really get to the nitty gritty of it and you address some of the lies that people are believing, um, some of the damaging or wounding experiences they've had in their past and just some of the, the, the lack of, uh, healthy, uh, healthy methods for getting their needs met. When you can address some of these things, um, you start to make better choices. You start to see yourself differently. And avoiding porn and, and making healthy decisions in your sexuality becomes almost second nature. What is some of the, the resistance you face from guys when you start trying to lead them down that path when they just keep kind of pounding their fist and saying, no, I just want to quit porn? Why are you talking to me about what I believe or what I'm thinking or what my lies are, or what my needs, you know, how do you respond to that? 
Yeah, I mean, my biggest question is always, how is it working out for you? You know, how is how is the willpower and white knuckling and keeping things under wraps and internet filters and bouncing the eyes and the spiritual disciplines and you know, all, most of those things actually have their place. Uh, maybe not the white knuckling and, and intense willpower. Most of those things have their place, but in of themselves, they're they're incomplete. Um, I think the the other the other side of it is I I understand the fear. I know it's really scary to go to some of those places. And in some ways, that's not what we sign up for. You know, it, it should be simple. We know that we, we got into a pornography struggle just making simple decisions to watch a screen. So it should be simple enough. I should stop myself from watching that screen and I should be able to get out. Um, it's just, it, it's just not how it works. And if you want any kind of long-term freedom and health in your relationships and in your spirituality, um, you'll have to do a little bit more, more work and, and pay a bit of a price to go to the, the deeper parts of you. Now I want to I want to ask you a question about what we've seen in our this this year we've been doing this um as a ministry for 18 years. Okay. Wow. And the two the two most predominant things that I see as as critical when a guy is you know trapped in a pornography addiction is there's a there's a massive shame component and there's also a, a huge amount of what we might call emotional stuntedness or you know emotional they're they're crippled yeah. emotionally. Um, how how are you in your program? What you're doing, kind of addressing those two huge areas of shame, and then kind of the emotional stunted aspect. Yeah, um, I mean those are massive, massive subjects, and I agree. I would say they're probably the two biggest things you have to hurdle in your journey to freedom. Um, when somebody reaches out to me, I'm always very encouraged because by the time they reach that place where they're willing to reach out to someone. They understand at least a degree of how to get over shame, which is talking about it, opening up, um, being, being seen. And it, it does take courage and it's, it's a brave choice. You know, you and I have both somewhere along the way, Jonathan, we both made that choice ourselves and it's, it's not always an easy decision. So I'm, I'm encouraged when people reach out to me and a lot of my messaging and my marketing tries to encourage people or warm people up to reach that place where they're, brave enough and have enough courage to reach out. Um, within the programs itself, we, we do a lot of group work uh, for the same reason that when you're sharing openly among other guys, there's an added layer of healing that comes from that. But in the in the same step, you also get to learn from other people. You get to hear about their stories and think, oh, I never thought of it that way. Or, wow, they, they feel the same thing I feel. I thought I was the only one. And I think that's a huge part of breaking out of shame as well. On the emotional side of things, it's funny, you know, we, for one reason or another, men especially are really, um, they're almost taught that emotional stuntedness is a good thing, that it's okay to be inhibited. It's better to not show emotions. It's better if we don't go to those messy places. Let's keep things tidy and, and headstrong and whatever else. But I, I have. It's almost like, if, if I could interject here, please. it's almost like that is, that is promoted as maturity. Yes. Like if you're just stoic or you have no, emotions whatsoever. And so talk a little bit about like how absolutely wrong that is in terms of what it means to actually be a human man. Yeah. Well, it, it speaks to what we're talking about. Like the the emotions, even just talking about sexuality, the, the sex drive and urges, everything is internal. And so the the tendency is to focus on the external. We just try to present a life that looks okay and direct our efforts there. But as long as you neglect the internal, your sense of self 
and your relationships will always suffer. And I suppose you could throw in your spirituality. That's a relationship, obviously, with God. Um, but those areas are, are predicated on the internal realm, on what's going on inside. So, um, at the core of that is, is emotions. You know, emotions are sort of the, uh, they're the passenger that, that is alongside you driving, uh, helping you drive your car. They help you navigate the circumstances of life and indicate what's sort of going on and, and what needs to get addressed. And, um, when guys come to me, most of them are emotionally immature. They, they don't have an understanding of what's going on. And all they know is that, um, when I, when I am horny or when I feel like looking at something, then, um, then I'm just gonna, it's either like I have to white knuckle it or I just do what I want. There's, there's no sense of understanding where that came from. What are the accompanying emotions? Is there maybe a need at the root of this that could get met in a better way? Uh, those are all foreign concepts. And so we work a lot uh, to develop that. And the, the term I like to use is emotional fitness. So we help guys become emotionally fit. Yeah, no, I, I heard you in a in another interview with uh, with Drew Boa, uh, our friend over at Husband Material. And, and you were describing the difference between emotional health and emotional fitness. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, Jonathan, I'm a basketball player. I love playing basketball. Um, and I was too many years ago. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't play it as much anymore these days, but I still enjoy watching it. Um, but a couple of years ago, I was, I was playing basketball with some friends and uh, I was guarding a guy. I swiped to, to steal the ball and I don't know exactly how or what happened, but um, all of a sudden I'm on the ground in writhing pain looking to see if my leg is still attached to my knee. Uh, like something wow. got mangled or twisted bad and it turns out I, I tore my ACL. So I, I got an operation on it. And, you know, uh, the reason I played basketball is because I, I really do believe in, in being physically healthy. So I eat well and I'm active pretty regularly. Uh, but one of the things that really frustrated me in my recovery from my surgery uh, on the, the operation on my knee was I, I wasn't actually active. I couldn't be active because for about three months I had to nurse it back to health. Meanwhile, I'm still eating well. I'm still doing my physio exercises and everything else. So by those standards, I was healthy. But if, um, if for whatever reason I had to, to run or jog, if I went camping with some friends and we encountered a bit of wildlife and we had to book it, I, I have zero fitness in those moments to respond to the situation. It doesn't matter that I'm eating leafy greens and abstaining from copious amounts of sugar and fats. In those moments, um, I have no fitness to back me up. And the, the danger in, in where we're going in our society, where we're, we are starting to understand the value of emotional health and, tuning into your emotions and everything that comes with it, the, the danger is that we actually become only emotionally healthy and that we don't cultivate any emotional fitness where uh, you are actually apt to respond to the changing circumstances of life, a curveball. Uh, maybe you, if in this case, it means you walk down the street, you see somebody attractive, it sort of riles you up and arouses you a little bit. It means that you you actually have the fitness, you're apt to respond the same way that you would need to respond to a bear in the forest and, and kind of book it. Um, it's that same kind of idea that on an emotional level, you actually have the resiliency and the wherewithal to understand what's going on emotionally and make a good decision, even in the moment when you maybe couldn't plan for it or expect it. You know, as you're saying that from a from a spiritual perspective, one of the things that comes to my mind is uh, from the book of James, where he talks to us about how, you know, faith without works is dead. 
So this idea is if if you have uh, even a knowledge of God, even a knowledge that trusts in God, yes. but there's nothing animating it in terms of it actually being worked out in your life, then it's like a dead body. I mean, it's, it's, it's a dead faith. Well, it's, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just means it's not moving. It's not actually growing. It's not alive. And I get that kind of picture when I'm hearing you say the difference between emotional health, which is like, hey, you know, you may not be quote unquote in danger in the sense of like even doing really, really unhealthy things, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're really growing in your emotional um, fitness. And I, I love the distinction you made there. Yeah, I, I think that's a it's a huge part of it. And we I, I think it's just it's easy to overlook it. Like I was we were saying earlier, especially as men. But to me, that is that's where the real meat is. You know, that's when you really learn to get in touch with yourself. And I, I, I think most of it boils down to we, we are all wired for intimacy and we all have these core needs for connection and whatever else. And if you don't build healthy ways to get those needs met and you don't develop emotional fitness to become aware of the needs in the first place, you will resort to, to destructive options and convenient options like pornography and uh, maybe sleeping around with women or even just pursuing a lot of women, chasing after them, uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I think it's huge, Jonathan. So let me ask you a question about that, because I think most of us as men, we've spent a lot of our lives uh, living in kind of this ignorance yeah. of what emotional fitness, in some cases, even what emotional health looks like. Forget the fitness part yet. Um, can you give us some examples of what that looks like for a man who's starting to break free from pornography and starting to actually really engage emotional fitness? What are some examples that you could give us of what does that actually look like in a man's life? Yeah, I'll give you two examples out of my personal life, if that's okay. Um, yeah. The the first is actually from when my wife and I were dating, and um, we we had uh, we had some pretty strict boundaries because we both had sexual histories, and we knew that um, that even something like kissing could be a slippery slope if we weren't careful. And um, I still remember the the there was one particular day. It was um, I had been free for about two or three years when when we were together and dating. Uh, but I was having a really rough week. And this particular day, all, all I could think about, my my brain was kicking in and it wanted to look at porn. That's all I could think about at work. I, I knew I wasn't going to do anything there, but it, it's kind of where my brain was going. And I was kind of connecting the dots a little bit like, okay, I'm in great distress. Um, part of it was kind of relationship stress, not with my girlfriend, just in other places. And here my brain is is going to porn. It's kind of reverting to that place. And now I'm going to go spend time with my girlfriend where we want to have, you know, a God honoring relationship. And I can, I'm piecing the dots and I'm realizing this is a recipe for disaster. You know, this is not a good thing. And I think that's where emotional health and emotional awareness and emotional fitness starts. It is just, it is simply acknowledging like these urges are here and these, these needs are here. And, and I can, I'm very aware of it. And being able to kind of look at it instead of either running away from it or running, you know, head on into it, but just saying, okay, this need is here. And I, I was praying throughout the day. That was, that was my only solution in, at the time. I was praying, God, I, I really just pray that you'd help us to have a good date night. I want to honor you with the boundaries and kind of just felt like if I did that, that would be good enough. If I sort of threw up the right prayers. Um, now keep in mind, I've been free of porn for a few years at this point. Um, so, but I'm still learning, you know, the tools for long-term freedom. And um, I picked my wife up. We went back to my place. We we're pulling into the driveway. And I, I believe it was, it was God sort of prompting me. I just had this thought 
of why don't I talk to her about it? You know, I, I had on, it honestly didn't cross my mind. It seems so obvious now, but it really didn't cross my mind. So she was getting out of the car and I said, babe, just hold on. Um, I need to talk to you about something. And she said, oh, okay, what's going on? And I just said, I, all I thought about today is looking at porn, you know, like, I don't know what's going on. Um, but I'm really nervous that we're going to make a mistake at, at our, at our date tonight. And I, I don't want to do that. So I'm happy to reschedule a date night or, we can go somewhere public, but you know, I just expressed like I was really concerned and she just kind of smiled back and she said, I'm so glad you shared it with me and, and all of that. And then she just said, you know what? Um, I'll pick up the slack tonight. We'll, we'll be okay. And, and if it does become a problem, I don't mind going out that kind of a thing, you know, but she was very confident. Like, oh yeah, I can like, you're nothing. You know, if I, if I just need to ward you off, that's fine. I can handle that. But thanks for letting me know. And, um, and I, I realized Jonathan that, that for me, I would rather confess a temptation than confess a mistake. And just that, that simple act of talking to her first and kind of getting ahead of it before it became something problematic, I think that is sort of the epitome of this emotional fitness that we're talking about. It, it is just trying to get ahead of things and, and understanding the conditions that you might be in or that you might be entering and planning accordingly. So that, that's become more common practice now, not just with my wife, but with my friends that I have, you know, really transparent relationships with. I'm trying to be as intentional and as proactive about what's going on inside, uh, so that I can kind of nip it in the bud before it becomes something worse. Um, so that's a huge part of it. And, and the other side of it, it's, it's actually similar, but when we were engaged, we endured a whole bunch of trial and just unexpected curveballs. Uh, my wife got very sick, so she was basically uh, bedridden for about a year, and we didn't know what was going on. And um, we also buried a few relatives, including her brother. Her older brother passed away, just had a very tumultuous engagement. And um, the, the night that her brother passed away, it, it all happened very suddenly. And so we're kind of just driving home in shock. And, uh, and you know, we're engaged, so we live in different places and we went back to my, to my apartment. I, I couldn't leave her alone. And I figured she can sleep in my, in my bedroom and I'll go, I'll go sleep upstairs because our friends owned the apartment. They, they lived upstairs in the house. And I still remember there was that thought that crossed my mind as I was sort of making sure she got settled in and in bed that like, you know, I could just sleep in the couch and in the living room or I could just sleep on the floor. There was kind of like that, like we could sort of do this, but not do it kind of thing. And I just remember realizing, no, this is, this is, if, if I really want to be a standard bearer and I really want to honor the Lord with even our boundaries and what we're doing, these are the moments that actually count the most. And I think that's a huge part of being emotionally fit is that you are not just choosing the right things when they're convenient. It's that you're also choosing those things when they're challenging. And so, um, so, you know, cooler heads prevailed. I slept upstairs and we had a great, just, uh, well, I shouldn't say we had a great time. It was, it was a horrible time, but we honored our boundaries through the process. So sorry, that was a bit of a long answer, but hopefully that gives you an idea. No, no. And I think there's a sense of, uh, uh, there's a sense of honor in that when you can, when you can do those things. And, and I love what you're saying there because, um, I do think a lot of people, not just guys, anybody that comes into sort of a recovery environment for an addiction of any kind, um, they're often coming in doing cost benefit analysis. <laughs> like, well, if I pay this, what's the benefit? If I do this, what's the benefit? If I go this far, what's the benefit? And um, I think for those of us who um, uh, are, are, have our faith in Christ and, and we, we believe in the creator of the universe who made us in his image, uh, there has to be a different paradigm that says it's not about a cost benefit. It's about what's the right thing? Yeah. Like, what is righteousness? Yes. And so therefore, 
Can you talk a little bit about how you're even maybe leading men into a new mindset of saying not everything is about cost benefit. There is a right, good, wholesome, uh, fulfilling way in which to live life that God has created. And it's right because it's right, not because there's necessarily going to be any benefit. Because you and I both know when you travel this road, a lot of times the cost you pay comes with some suffering. There is some actual suffering on this journey. Big time. But but if I could put it this way, even that cost is sort of drowned out with the beauty of the mercy and the joy and the peace that comes from no longer being bound by these um, idols. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree, Jonathan. There's a, there's a scripture in Proverbs, Proverbs 10, 9. It says, he who walks with integrity walks securely. And I, I love that. I, I think what you just articulated is so true. The the security that comes, just being secure in yourself, having nothing to hide, um, those things are worth any price to me. And when I think about the relationships that I have with my wife, when I think about the relationships I have with my friends, when I think about the kids I'm going to have one day and the family I want to raise, um, and when I think about my relationship with God, the, the price that I had to pay to, to overcome my sexual sin, to make some changes in my life, some of them were dramatic, uh, I wouldn't trade any of that for the world for what I have now. Like it, it, it it's a no brainer. The, the cost benefit analysis is it's almost laughable because any price that you have to pay to get free is going to pale in comparison to the rewards on the other side of it. And, and I do, I do agree as well that there, there's also just a, a moral aspect to this and morality is always wrapped with a benefit. Like it's funny that we would even separate that from the conversation because God doesn't instruct you to, you know, to take control of your sexuality um, as like a test. He's not trying to see like, do you have what it takes or not? He, he's saying it because he has your best interest in mind. And he, he knows that if you can become the kind of confident, strong man of God he made you to be that is in control of his sexual urges and desires, you are going to live a way better life. And so those those other safeguards are, are just to help you get to that place. Because he knows that in that place, you're going to experience the greatest reward and the most fulfillment. So what are some other um, uh, highlights of what you really are trying to focus on in in your deep clean program? In term, I mean, we've, we've covered a lot of stuff, but what else yeah. are some things that you really try to emphasize to help men break free? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we hit on two of the big pillars, one being identity in Christ and the other being kind of the emotional fitness and that whole paradigm. The, the other component that is quite strong in, in my efforts is recovering from experiences of the past. And I find that often we have, we have damaging or wounding experiences, um, either that are directly related to our sexuality, like, um, maybe it's some pro- promiscuity or even some abuse or it's that kind of thing. And sometimes it's, it's less obvious and less overt experiences that for one reason or another, we've, we've drawn damaging conclusions about ourselves or about relationships. And I find those are often driving forces for our porn consumption and masturbating and whatever else that might come with it. So recovering from those wounds of the past is a critical piece of long-term freedom. You can build emotional fitness. You can even start to really walk in your godly identity. But if you have pain from the past, if you have resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness, uh, if you drew some damaging conclusions from experiences that maybe were not okay and that you moved on from, but you haven't fully uh, integrated them and healed from them, uh, then they're going to still impact the decisions you make and the way you see yourself. So we, we really have an emphasis on that as well. 
being able to get healed up and really inviting God into that process. It's not like a clinical thing per se. It's a lot more spiritually oriented, uh, inviting God into that and letting him restore your heart. And um, and I think that's another, uh, I would say that's the other probably third pillar that Deep Clean stands on in the recovery process. Now, we, we touched a little bit earlier on kind of the big issue of, of shame, but I, I kind of want to ask about, you know, how does how does grace weave through all of this because i think you know you and i've seen it probably even in our own our own our own lives but certainly in guys that are coming to try to get help for some kind of porn addiction yeah is you know what do i need to do what do i need to do and then it can become very performance oriented in terms of attaching my worth and my value to my performance mm-hmm. how do you help kind of keep that grace foundation that there is a a God who looks upon us through the shed blood of Jesus that says, man, there is nothing that can change my affection for you. Um, you know, when you were actually neck deep in your sin and had no regard for me, I was saying, I want you, I love you. You know, how do you kind of keep that as the foundation when so many guys, I mean, we're naturally drawn towards what I need to do to kind of earn my keep, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we do two things at Deep Clean. Um, the, the first thing we do is we, we really help people uncover lies that they're believing that might be stopping them from believing that truth and experiencing the truth. Like you're saying, it's not just about knowing it in your head. It's really about knowing it in your heart. And, um, and so part of that is, is working through experiences of the past, as we talked about, because that, that's where you often will draw false conclusions or you start to believe lies. And we really work on, on uprooting them. But then the, the other component is, is hearing the truth, not just uh, reading it on a page, not just me telling you the truth, but actually learning to cultivate that emotional connection with God, uh, learning to hear his whisper and, and that voice of unconditional love and acceptance. That, that's a huge part of what we do at Deep Clean because there's nothing like hearing God's voice that says, you are my son, in you I'm well pleased. The same, the same kind of idea of what, what was spoken over Jesus when he was baptized and released into ministry. And it's not about hearing necessarily those specific words, but it's about uh, having that unique experience where God the Father speaks his love to you and, and you suddenly are, are confronted with the truth in a very experiential way. And I think that, that is what undoes more of our sin, uh, more of our past, more of our lies than anything else. Um, and so for us, that's, that's kind of where we have experienced the most fruit in recovering and in sort of hurdling, um, maybe that, that sort of works or performance mindset that can be quite prevalent. Yeah. Well, Sathya, thank you so much for what you've put together. We've only got a couple minutes left. I'd love for you to just be able to, you know, share anything else that you would want to say to that guy that's out there that either maybe he's just dipped his toe into kind of recovery or he's, he's kind of on the fence. Um, and then certainly let our listeners know how they can get more information about Deep Clean. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think to the guy out there who's maybe struggling and you're not sure if you want help, you, maybe you're not sure if, if there's enough help to get you free, um, I just want you to let you know that there is. Um, I, I see it every day. I see people who are uh, hiring prostitutes regularly, people who have lost their ministries because they were exposed for looking at porn, people who have cheated on their wives, and I see them make recoveries all the time. Um, so there is hope. There's hope. There's, uh, there's no reason that you can't get free. And, uh, the other thing I'll leave you with is, is Romans 8 verse 1. And it says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, um, you know, Jesus is not holding this against you. 
but he is inviting you into a life of greater freedom. If you're willing to do some of the work, if you're willing to get some help, you will be amazed at how God can actually, I would say, kind of breathe his blessing on it and expedite the process. You know, man can do so much and we have our systems, we have our methodologies, but when God is involved in the process, uh, it is amazing uh, just the level of depth and I would say even the level of quickness that can come in the recovery journey. I'm not trying to sell it as like it's a one and done and you know, take this magic pill and you're free. Uh, there's work to be done, but it is amazing what happens when you involve God and, um, and, and he, he's not holding anything against you. Uh, and if you're, if you're looking to connect with me, uh, I do offer free, free calls, uh, for anybody who wants to just jump on a call, share a bit of their story, and we can talk about what a solution might be. I love doing that. It's one of my favorite parts about what I do. And you can do that through my website. Uh, sathiasam.com and maybe we can leave that in the notes because I can't imagine anyone knows how to spell that uh, just by hearing it but uh, sathiasam.com is a great place or getadeepclean.com uh, that's another URL that'll that'll link you into my stuff you can find out a little bit about what I do and my program and and see if it's a good fit for you and if it is I'd, I'd love to get on a call and, and chat a bit more about it yeah we'll absolutely put all of that in our show notes but Sathia thank you so much for being with us today and sharing just what you've experienced in your own freedom but also what you're offering to others. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, many more men will find freedom because of what you've uh, been willing to step forward and do. So thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. And Jonathan, I want to say really quickly, uh, I want to commend you so much for what you're doing here with uh, Be Broken Ministries, Pure Sex Radio. You are a forerunner. You are way ahead of the curve, uh, way ahead of your time. And I'm so grateful that the world is catching up and uh, and that there's just people like you out there and ministries like this out there that are helping people. Thanks for what you do. Um, yeah, we can't do it without you. Yeah, well, thank you. And uh, listeners, of course, we can't do what we do here without you because uh, without your partnership and your uh, support, um, we can't continue to do this program. So if you'd like to support us, just go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate link. But we're so glad you've been with us and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.